we're at the 20th anniversary of something that happened 20 years ago concerning some God-hating Muslims who wanted to destroy the United States of America starting with New York City and destroyed the towers. That's been going on television all week long. I'm sure you picked up on it. One particular station carried a graphic detail of the films that were made as that was happening. And as the smoke began to billow out of those towers and finally began to cave in, the people were all over the streets running into each other screaming and crying and not knowing what to do or where to go. Traffic jams, all the many different things were so graphic and reminiscent of what happened 20 years ago. I sat there and watched it again and cried. That was a terrible thing. Thousands of people lost their lives. And as it was happening, I thought, this may be a foretaste of what's going to take place when the Lord comes back. For in such an hour as you think not, that's when he's coming again. And this whole world as we know it to be is going to turn into turmoil. Not just one city will be affected. Every square inch of soil all across the world will know the King of Kings is coming and the Antichrist will have manifested himself. That can be a terrible thing. You could not prepare, nor could I, for the first thing that happened in New York City. But bless your dear heart, you can prepare for that. You can prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. You can prepare for that by looking to the Lord and asking him to come into your heart and come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm. You say, well, who died? Christ. Jesus Christ died. And you read all about that in Psalm number 22. But he did not remain dead. He came forth from the grave. And he's talked about no longer as a sacrifice. In Psalm 23, he's talked about as a shepherd. We're going to be studying this psalm carefully this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to speak this morning on the subject, the shepherd and his sheep. The shepherd and his sheep. I would emphasize this again because I don't know and don't want you to forget it, that Psalm 22 gives us a graphic description of the death of Jesus Christ like no other place in the Bible. Psalm number 23 prophesies the priesthood of Jesus Christ who sits at the Father's right hand providing for His sheep on this earth. And Psalm number 24, which we hope to tackle, if we may by the grace of God next Sunday, prophesies the coming kingdom of Christ. The Lord Jesus died at Calvary 2,000 years ago to atone for our sins. He then ascended up to heaven to be seated at the Father's right hand where he's been ever since for the last 2,000 years to care for his people on this earth. One day he'll leave there and come back to the earth and establish a kingdom with his people to rule and to reign. His ascension into heaven is set forth in Hebrews 8.1. Let me read it for you. Now of the things of which we have spoken... This is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty of the heavens. Psalm 23, I believe, is perhaps the best known psalm, best known passage of scripture in the Bible. I believe the King James Version surpasses all other translations in presenting the beauty and the truth of this psalm. I tried to read this in some different translations last week, and I said, phooey. I know of no more beautiful presentation of it than the King James Version. Let me give you some introductory observations of this psalm. This is a psalm about living and not about dying. Man does not need this psalm at his funeral. He needs this psalm while he lives on planet earth. The subject of the psalm is the shepherd, not the sheep. The sheep are the object. The shepherd is the subject The sheep are the object of what the shepherd does. How more graphic can you get than this? He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. 
Thou preparest a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. When you finish reading this psalm, you never say what beautiful and fat sheep. What you say is what a loving and wonderful shepherd that we have. It's not about the sheep, nor about what the sheep do for the shepherd. It's what the shepherd does for his sheep. And you don't have to die before the benefits kick in. Matter of fact, they should take hold the moment you come to realize he's Lord and Savior of your life. The presentation of this psalm is a shepherd and his sheep, not a goat herder and his goats. There's not a mention of a goat in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is not the shepherd of... Now, hang on to this, okay? The Lord is not the shepherd of everybody. He is only the shepherd of the sheep. No one save man has the spiritual authority to pray the model prayer. What is the model prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. No unsaved man has the authority to pray that prayer. God is not the Father of the unbeliever. The father of the unbeliever is the devil. Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. No one saved man has the spiritual right to quote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is not the shepherd of the unsaved. He cannot pray, the Lord is my shepherd. Christ is the shepherd only of the sheep. Now, if you can swallow all of that, you're ready for us to proceed. It is sheep only for whom the shepherd dies. Brother Cozart, I thought that Jesus died for everybody. No, didn't die for a goat. Not one. He died for the sheep. Scripture, glad you ask. John chapter 10, verse number 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. It is sheep only that the shepherd embraces. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 11. He shall feed his flock. Like a shepherd, he shall gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. It is sheep only to whom the shepherd gives eternal life. John chapter 10 verses 27 and 28. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them. 
they follow me. And I give unto them, that is the sheep, eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Please notice, first of all, the opening statement of the psalm. How beautiful it is. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Every word is extremely important. Don't just zip through that. Meditate on it. Survey it. Listen to it over and over again. The Lord is my shepherd. Every word is important. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Not a Lord, but the Lord, which excludes all other false gods. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The shepherd is the only God. The shepherd is the only God. In the 115th Psalm, and we've turned to it so many, many times. But I tell you, it's one of the highlight chapters in Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? Now listen, church. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols, whatever those idols might be, whatever those little gods might be, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Now, verse 8, so important. They that make them are like unto them. You see, when a man gets ready to make a God, he makes him just like himself. Because man left alone thinks himself to be God. It's up to you concerning conduct as to what is right and what is wrong. No, it's up to God. What you do is either right or whether it is wrong. So, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord... (laughs) in case we didn't get it, is my shepherd. If you'll notice, every letter is capitalized, and whenever the Lord's name is capitalized in the Scripture, it's to indicate it's coming from a Hebrew word, Jehovah or Yahweh, meaning 
He is Jehovah God. It's the name that belongs only to God, meaning the eternal and self-existent God. He needs nothing and he needs no one. He lives off of himself. Have you ever tried to live off yourself? When did you stop trying? Because if you tried and you thought you were successful, you're probably dead. You don't live off of yourself. You live off of God. That name, Jehovah, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. It was so holy the Jews were not even permitted to pronounce it. Only the high priest could say it and then only once a day on the day of atonement. The Lord, not Allah. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is. Yeah, not was. The Lord is my shepherd. There were two criminals who were crucified with Christ and they died. And when they died, they remained dead. But Christ died. And ladies and gentlemen, he lives today. He is the I am. Not the I was, but the I am. He is today what he's always been and what he will always be, Almighty God. He is your shepherd. Think he knows how to take care of you? I figure he does. I figure he does. Before you were ever born, he has taken care of a lot of things. Before there were any human beings, before the angels were ever created, he was busy taking care of what pleased him. You know what he's doing today? He's taking care of what pleases him. The Lord is, he is my shepherd. I am. Revelation 1.8. He is described as I am Alpha and Omega. Two Greek letters. The first letter in the Greek alphabet is Alpha. The last Greek letter in the alphabet is Omega. I am the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty. In John chapter 5, verse number 58 Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. When the Lord Jesus made that statement, Abraham had been dead for 2,000 years. And Jesus Christ said, Before Abraham was ever born, I am the continual being of God Almighty in this idea of he is the shepherd of the sheep. In Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. You know, I believe if he is alive forevermore, we should live like it. Not only when you can face the wonderful victories that come your way, you'll be able to face all the disappointments to come your way if you'll remember the Lord belongs to you and you belong to Him. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he says this, the Lord is 
my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I know he's my friend. I know he's the great physician. I know he's my savior. I know he's my Lord. But oh, my dear friends, the thought of being cared for by the great shepherd of the sheep. Psalm 22 comes before Psalm 23. Now that's profound, isn't it? Psalm 22 presents Jesus as Savior. Psalm 23 presents Jesus Christ as the shepherd. And he will never be your shepherd until he first is your Savior. And I may be speaking to some of you this morning who've never come to realize nor trust Christ to be your Savior. He's not your shepherd. If you're unsaved, he's not your shepherd. While you live, he's not your shepherd. And when you die, he'll not be your shepherd. I was listening once in a while when I need an uplift. I don't get drunk. And I don't do drugs I lock myself up in my office back there and I use my computer to bring in gospel music. And yesterday, oh my, you'd have thought I was a Pentecostal. My, I never heard such singing in my life. A group got up. They used to be called the Spear Family. Okay? Well, the Spear family had a daddy and a mother, and old Dad Spears was a songwriter. And one of the songs he wrote just before he died, he took it from a text in the Song of Solomon, My beloved is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. And they started singing that, that old Dad Spears wrote who's been dead a long, long time. And i tell you what, it just, I, folk, I, I tell you, it's kind of hard to handle back there a little while. It gets to me that I am His. Do you understand that? And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, He belongs to you, and you belong to Him. How long? Forever! He's delivered me from the sting of death. Praise God for that. He's my shepherd. Do you have a shepherd today? Oh, my soul. I fear for you if you do not. The shepherd provides at least three essential needs that sheep have to have. In verses 1b and into verse number 2, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Three things a sheep has to have. Number one, he must have food if he lives. Second of all, he must have water if he lives. And number three, he must have security. The sheep of the shepherd have food. 
He leads me in green pastures. Keeps me from starving to death. He also causes me to walk by still waters. Gives me water to keep me from thirsting to death. And then he causes me to lie down. That's security. Don't have to worry about death. You know, sheep cannot secure nor take care of themselves. They just cannot do it. They have no defensive weapons like a hawk does, like a lion, like a serpent. Sheep will never lie down when danger is present. Thus lying down indicates that they were secure and they could lie down. Now how do you apply this to believers today? Well, number one, Christ is our food, is he not? Is he not? In the Gospel of John, chapter number 6, it is stated so clearly. John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51. Christ said, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, which that if a man eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Christ is our food. Christ is our water. Is he not? The woman by the well in Samaria found that to be so when Christ said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, guess what, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And then Christ is our security. I go over to the 91st Psalm for that. Psalm number 91 And it is so great and so beautiful to illustrate the security that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm number 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy seed and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come to thee. You know, the hireling flees when he sees the wolf coming, but the shepherd stands between the enemy and the sheep. 
there are possibly some experiences you've had in life when you realized that had not God delivered you from that experience, you would not be here today. But have you ever given any thought to this? There are some things that come so close to taking your life that you don't know about, that you didn't plan for, that you never thought of, but nothing is hidden to the eyes of God Almighty. It'll come close to you, but it will not come to you. The shepherd does that. The shepherd does that. Providing us these needs. Christ is our security. I like that part of it. Let me reread it. He'll cover thee with his feathers. Did you know the Lord has feathers? Huh? He shall cover thee with feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. I was reading an article about somebody who raised chickens. He said a mother hen burned to death in the fire. But when they got to that mother hen and pulled her away from the burning fire, though she was dead, underneath her was found three little chicks still alive. They were under her wings. (laughs) You can't buy that, it says in Roebuck, dear friend. Christ is our food, Christ is our water, and Christ is our security. The shepherd provides many benefits to the sheep. Look at verse number 3 of our text. Back in the 23rd Psalm, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The shepherd provides many benefits to the sheep. He never gives up on a wandering sheep. Never gives up. You may give up on you, but God doesn't give up on you. Never. He restoreth my soul. That means he stores it and stores it and stores it and keeps on restoring it. He restoreth my soul. In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, a lost sheep had been the member of the flock, but it wandered away. The shepherd searched until he found it, and he brought that sheep back home. When he brought the sheep back home, he didn't beat the sheep half to death as an example for the rest, but rather he broke forth into joy. Rejoice with me for that one that was lost has been found. He gives, never gives up on the wandering. Oh, I'm glad for that. Never gives up on the wandering sheep. Have you ever wandered before? Aren't you glad you serve a God who has the ability to bring you back where you ought to be and where I should be? He delivers his sheep from fear. Verse 4 said, I will fear no evil. Lots of evil around, but I'll fear no evil. No fear of death or the judgment to follow. Why? Because we only pass through the shadow of it. And the shadow's not the real thing. My dear friends, we pass through the shadow. What produces a shadow? L-I-T-H. 
L-I-G-H-T. It is light that produces. Whenever we come to cross the river of Jordan, my friend, we cross through the shadow of it because Christ said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's the light that casts the shadow. No fear of what Satan can do. Satan had a rope of restraint on the neck of Job when he tempted him, but he did only go so far and God would not give him permission to go any further. Thy rod and thy staff. We could stay here for a while. Won't do it, don't worry about it, but we could stay here for a while. He uses his rod for counting and chastisement. The shepherd knows by taking the rod and he points that rod to count the sheep that are coming into the sheep cove. God knows those who belong unto him. And he's not like the President of the United States. He knows how many of us there are. He uses his rod for counting and chastisement. I talked to a shepherd one day. He was showing me his sheep. He was proud of his sheepdog. The sheepdog had more sense than the shepherd did. Most amazing thing. But one of his sheep was constantly wandering and wandering and wandering. And he finally got that sheep and he broke its leg. And that sheep never wandered anymore. He did not break the leg of the sheep because he was mad at the sheep, but because he loved the sheep and didn't want him to wander anymore. If I'm wandering today, and if you're wandering today, whatever God does and takes to do it, He does it because He loves us. It'd be better for me and you to be a cripple the rest of our life than to have perfect health and be absent from the shepherd. He uses his staff for guidance. And direction. You say, well, why would he do that? Because sheep are stupid. Dumb. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's stupid. If today your goal is to do ever what you want to do and enjoy it while you do it, you're dumb. You're so stupid you don't even realize it. I wish you could understand that. That true joy and true happiness does not come from my decisions. It comes from His decisions for me and His decisions for you. You want to live without Him? Go ahead. You'll be sorry eternally if you do. He instilled sheep with joy. I I like this. My cup runneth over. Hey, my wife and I celebrated last night. Said, well, what were you celebrating? I was hungry. Yeah. And I went by Brahms. I did. And I said, want some ice cream? I said, I want all you got. And took it home. And we sat there for a few moments. I said, honey, you, you want some ice cream? Yes, I do. I said, okay. 
So we got the bowls out. We, we got all kinds of bowls. Get the biggest ones. You go eat ice cream, get the biggest one. And I started dipping that ice cream. And when I did, <clears throat> some of the ice cream kind of, it, it filled the cup so full that it began to fall over. And I thought, my, my cup run it over. Cup run it over. Have you ever thought about the joy of the Lord that causes your cup to run over even in the darkest hour? My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over because he prepares a table for me. By applying oil also, which did three things. Number one, it produced smoothness to the touch. If your hands or your arms or other members of your body get scarred, and the scar begins to fester up. And you use oil, it has a way of making smooth that which was very, very upset. And difficult to handle. Smoothness. Huh? Smoothness to the touch. Means no defects. Second of all, it gives brightness to the sight. You know, if you put a little oil on your face, you'd be surprised. Put a little oil on your face. It'll make you feel a whole lot younger if you do. Because everybody will say to you, my, you you look younger than you used to. And that'll make you feel good. Now, I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but I do. And that's a fact. And by applying oil, it gives fragrant a fragrance to the smell. Apart from the Lord, we stink to high heaven. But he puts on us the oil of gladness. And we become fragrant. Another word for that is anointed with grace. Sheep are seasoned with grace. Let me quickly close the future of the believer is set forth in verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice the shepherd supplies us with two companions on our pilgrim journey, and we're on a pilgrim's journey. From the day we come to trust the Lord, we're as pilgrims looking for a city, going to another country. And this writer said that the shepherd supplies us with two companions on that pilgrim journey. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Follow means to hunt down and pursue. It's to pursue a course. They will be our constant companions. Goodness will take care of my steps And mercy will take care of my stumbles. And you will stumble. Yeah, you will. Charles Spurgeon called these two God's footmen. In his day, when a wealthy man traveled by coach, there would always be two men who rode standing up on back of the coach to care for the master. And when the coach stopped, they opened the door for him. They would hurry into the inn to make sure his room was ready and 
supper prepared. Whenever he went, they went. They were always there. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. The shepherd supplies us with a home in his presence forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven will be one eternal church service. Yeah, it will. Heaven will be one eternal church service, except there'll be no prayer of benediction. Isn't that good? John Knox was one of the early church reformers in Scotland, and he died in 1572. Give me your patience. When he died, and as he lay dying, his friends gathered around him, and they began to ask Mr. Knox that as he was crossing over the river of death, would he tell them that the Lord had given him a sign? In other words, they said, Mr. Knox, as you pass over the the river of death, uh, if God's really there and taking care of you, send us a sign so we'll know. That he's there. One of the men that was there was also a poet, and he wrote the following poet describing the death of John Knox. I would like to read that for you in closing. Mr. Knox is dying. All of his friends are gathered around his bedside, and they know the time is short. And this man gets a poem out of it. And he wrote the poem describing what he saw when John Knox died. I'll try to read it as best I know how. Grim in his deep death anguish, the stern old champion lay. And the locks upon his pillow were floating thin and gray. While visionless and voiceless, with quick and labored breath, he waited for his exit through life's dark portal, death. Hast thou the hope of glory? They bow to catch the thrill, that through some languid token might be responsive still, nor watched they long, nor waited for some obscure reply, while Mr. Knox raised a clear, cold finger and pointed to the sky. Thus the death angel found him, what time his bow he bent, to give the struggling spirit its last enfranchisement. Thus the death angel left him, what time earth's bonds were riven, the cold, stark, stiffening finger of Knox was still reaching up to heaven. His last breath was that finger pointing up to heaven. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
Let's stand, please, for prayer.